turn tonight to our midweek service by turning to the hymn 700 around the throne of God in heaven thousands of children stand children whose sins are all forgiven a holy happy band we'll stand together and sing our very best on our opening praise please together in prayer and seek the Lord's face in prayer let us all pray our gracious loving and eternal heavenly father we bow again in thy presence we rejoice that we can come with that assurance that we have won in the glory one who is the God man the one who is our mediator the Lord Jesus Christ and as we come we come with thankfulness in our hearts that God loved the world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall we thank thee tonight that thou hast provided a means whereby 
we can be reconciled to a holy God, not in any merit of our own, not through anything that we have done, but alone through the merit and work that Christ has accomplished for us at the place called Calvary. We thank thee that the tomb is empty, and we thank thee that the throne is occupied, and we can come therefore with boldness to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And as we gather as the people of God tonight, the desire of our heart would be, Jesus, stand amongst us in thy risen power and make this time of worship a hallowed and a blessed hour. We thank thee for the fellowship of the people of God. We thank thee for those of like precious faith. We rejoice that we can come together as the church of Jesus Christ, as a congregation here on this evening to worship thee. But above all, we thank thee that our fellowship is with thee. We thank thee for communion with thee this day. We thank thee for the opportunity that we've had already this day to seek thy face and to commune with thee and to hear thy word. And we pray, our loving Father, that as we come again in the public place to gather in this fashion, we desire that there would be a conscious sense of thy presence. Lord, may these not just be mere words. May these not just be mere sentiments that we express. Oh, may they be the longing and the desire of our hearts that we would know and experience in our own fellowship with thee tonight a consciousness that thou art here. We're not unmindful of those who cannot be with us. We think of many in our congregation and various reasons. Lord, prevents them from being with us tonight. We pray, Lord, that thou will continue to meet the needs of those who are associated with the fellowship here. And our dear pastor, as he journeys home. We pray that thou will continue to give him journeying mercies and that thou will bring him home safely again uh, to the work of God that thou hast called him to hear. So Lord tonight as we think about the works that thou was given to this congregation we rejoice that we have a congregation that has a desire to reach boys and girls and young people with the gospel. And we pray that in every aspect of these works may there be the benediction of heaven. May there be the blessing of God. We look around us and we see so many who have no time for the things of God, no desire to be found under the influence of the word of God. We thank thee for those that you bring. We thank thee for those that come. And we pray that in every aspect of our labors in this congregation amongst the youth, that thou will continue to bless and undertake. So be with us now in these moments. May we be very conscious that thou art here. And Lord, we pray that we will, as we leave this place, rejoice again in thy goodness to us. For we ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. We bid you welcome to the midweek service tonight. And it is that wee bit different. Uh, it's certainly different because about 15 minutes ago, our brother Phil rang me to say that I was leading, and so we've had to make a slight change to the arrangements, or Brother Wesley uh, just not feeling uh, the best. So we do remember, Brother, and we trust that the Lord will be with him. But we bid you welcome. It's good to see those who've come, and we trust and pray that the Lord will bless each one of us in the house of God this evening. We'll run through these announcements. Do remember the church dinner tomorrow night in the Macroboy House for seven, gathering from 6.30 with the intention 
to be eating at 7pm and if you haven't uh, your name on the list I don't think you're going to get a dinner but I hope and trust that you have that attended to you and we look forward to a time of fellowship together. Remember the general cleanup uh, that's planned for the church here. Uh, church this size does need a considerable amount uh, of work and labour and we're always thankful to those uh, who uh, contribute in various means uh, to keeping the buildings in as best a condition as we possibly can. It was left to fill in me. It probably wouldn't be in as good a condition, but uh, there'll be a job for us on Saturday morning, I have no doubt, something that we'll be able to do if it's only use a brush or a shovel or something like that. And if you can help us, please come. Philip, what time? There. Or I was going to thought you were going to say, or, or before that. 8 a.m. here at the church, and uh, you will be made most welcome. Then do remember as well the open air, this public witness, and you know, in the day in which we live, it's good to maintain, not just to be seen, but it is good to have this public witness. And it was started many, many, many years ago by our late brother Albert, and it is a very public testimony and witness in our town. And we do thank those who come and who stand with us. And we thank our brother John for all the work that he does in relation to the open air. Maybe you haven't been in the custom of coming. Well, we'd be delighted if you'd be able to join on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. in the centre of the town. Next Lord's Day, the early morning prayer meeting, 8 a.m. Sunday school at 10.30, the Bible class, and we will endeavour to commence uh, a little series questions answered concerning the birth of Christ and the first question we want to uh, ask and I trust answer is why Mary why was it that it was Mary that was chosen out of all the millions of women in the world yet the Holy Ghost set upon and came upon this individual so we'll deal with that Lord willing on Sunday morning. Worship service at 12 noon when our own minister the Reverend Park, Lord willing, will be back to minister God's word. And then the commencement of our special services on each night in the month of December. It's hard to believe that we've already reached that time of the year. And our Christmas family night service, 7 p.m. Our sister Charlotte Cachy will be alone to minister in song and the Reverend Park minister in God's word. Supper will be served. Ladies are to bring half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns for our uh, refreshments after the service. I'm going to sing hymn 625. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer.
Well, as was announced, uh, we will this Thursday evening and next Thursday evening uh, take a look at the various works associated with our young people. And we've changed the format slightly around because our brother Wesley just isn't feeling too well this evening. And so we're going to have a report uh, from the Youth Challenge and the Bible class. Uh, and uh, Phil and I will do the Bible class. And there's the train has just arrived in the station in Ballymoney. So I just put that off. Uh, but we're delighted that our brother Andrew uh, Park, who coordinates and leads the work in the Youth Challenge, is with us, and I trust is now going to come and to give us a report on the work of Youth Challenge. Brother Andrew. I thought I was going to get out of it tonight. I got a phone call to say that... Uh, Wesley wasn't going to be here and mum, mum rang me, she was on the way to get dad from the airport and she says maybe you're not needed but I rang Phil and was assured no, no, you're, you're still needed to give a report tonight so my notes aren't coming up for some reason So it has, it's been a while since we've given a report, probably back to 2019, maybe even uh, longer ago since we were able to do a report like this here. And I just want to start with a verse of scripture, and it's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And this is the aim of Youth Challenge on a Tuesday night, Sunday school, on a, on a Sunday morning, Youth Fellowship and the Bible class. We want to teach the children in our town and our church each week about the Bible and about their need of salvation. And it's our hope and prayer as workers um, in God's work that as the children are taught faithfully each week the truths from the Bible, that they will come to know Christ as their Savior. And these will not just be stories from the Bible, but they will really mean something to them and will stay with them for um, the rest of their lives. So a lot has happened since I last was up here, and mainly, as you most, know, most people will know, the pandemic, and we weren't able to meet as normal. And I was looking back, when my dad had text to say about doing this tonight, I was looking back on notes that I had on my phone from 2020, just before the pandemic. And I'd been taking a few notes just down how the meetings had been going. And I want to just show you one up on the screen, read out to you uh, the note from the first night back after Christmas, and this is the 28th of January. And I'd note it down, this was our first night back after Christmas. We had 81 children in the junior meeting and 12 in the senior. The Castle Hill and Raceview buses were overflowing and Philip and Sean had to do two runs. Going to get another bus for next week. One of the children waited behind after the meeting to get saved. Elaine Johnson and mum counselled her. The wee smile on, the fa on her face after said it all. Great start to 2020. So 2020 was getting off to a great start. The numbers over the next few weeks continued to increase. More boys and girls were coming out. And then as we all know, everything just came to an abrupt <coughs> stop. 
not just the youth challenge, but every church service that we have. And this meant we needed to improvise somehow. We didn't want to lose contact with the boys and girls. And as you'll know, we started up our online versions of Youth Challenge and of Sunday School. The Youth Fellowship went on to Zoom. And I'm sure those workers remember how awkward it was standing in your front room, in front of a camera, recording for the broadcast that week. Um, but we thank God for this technology, for um, the technology that we had to stay in contact with the boys and girls each week. And we're able to get the children involved as well. But thankfully, things are now back to normal. We're back in the church each week. And like most other churches, COVID has had a lasting impact on our meetings here. It's particularly with your challenge and the numbers that we are getting. You know, since getting back after COVID, we've been making several efforts to get more kids out each night on the sound of the gospel. And the most notable effort that we did recently was the Hebron soccer camp. This was originally planned for the summer of 2020, and everyone had to be put on hold. But we were finally able to run it for the first time this year. And with being the first year of doing anything like this here, we were a little unsure of how this would go. But we're glad to say the football, the response from the children and from parents was so much that we had to close the registration early. We had to turn boys and girls away because we physically couldn't have fitted them down at Dalriada. We had a great team of workers this year with quite a few new ones helping us out. And looking back, it was, it was a massive task they undertake. And I'd been speaking to a few parents in the weeks leading up to it. And they wanted to know how could they get their children in. Six hours of free childcare. They, were, um, they didn't hear of anyone else doing anything like this here. So it has to be said, we had a great week with the boys and girls. Um, and we have to give thanks to God for his provision through the week. There was so many moving parts and it all came together in the end. From bringing the children out day by day, for keeping them safe as they were bussed to the football, up to the church and then back, um, to the, uh, back home again. And for the workers that were willing to help out uh, day by day. And I just want to give a wee quick rundown now of what we did at the football um, with them um, uh, through the week. So the buses they left around one o'clock. So some children were being picked up from any time from one. And they weren't getting back again until maybe half eight, nine o'clock. So it was a, a long day for, for the kids. With three buses went out each day. Then they arrived down at Dariada for about half two, played a bit of football, done a few drills, played a few football matches. And then we split into uh, the different groups, sorry, to do those drills. But although football was what, was what brought the children out each week, out each uh, day, this was not the main objective of the uh, main purpose of uh, the football camp. We wanted to use this as an opportunity to share the gospel with the boys and girls and we're able to do that there through football themed epilogues each day and we talked about you can see here Chrissy he did it that day Chrissy what was your talk, talk on okay so we took different parts of the football we talked about defenders goalkeepers midfielders we talked about the referee we talked about the substitute as well and was able to bring out some gospel applications 
They were then bussed up to the church for some food, and that was another team of workers were involved with that there. We went into the, this hall, sang a few choruses while we waited for other boys and girls that weren't at the football to join. The kids then split into their different age groups, played some games, had crafts, the older kids as well. They were playing games outside. And we even thank God for the weather. They kept it dry for the most part and were able to, to do this each night. And then each night when Noel Shields came along and spoke to the boys and girls, or should I say young people, in the older meeting. And Christina Logan then spoke with the younger ones each night. And I was looking back over the course of the week with over 160 children that had come out to the meetings. And it's great to say that some of these children, it was their first time in the church and they've came back now on Tuesday nights. Another effort that we've made was just two weeks ago, we decided to do a special bring a friend night, but we amalgamated that with a pizza night. And we were able to get the boys and girls to invite their friends in. They came in a bit early, come in at half six, they had some pizza, and then we get into our normal meeting at seven o'clock. And this was a great success. Our numbers had said it sort of dipped after COVID, maybe about 60 odd children each night. But last, or two Tuesday nights ago, we had over 100 boys and girls in. And some of them were here for the very first time. And it's great to say that some of them have actually come back in the uh, weeks following. This is just some of the boys and girls getting their pizza. And it was a very, very simple idea, but it attracted a lot of new children to come. So please pray that those children will continue to come week by week. And as well as coming and getting some pizza, anybody who brought a friend, they got a wee goodie bag. And the, new, the friend who had just came got one as well. So it is our plan to run similar events each year to try and get more boys and girls in each week. And the next event that we have lined up is this here. Uh, it's a program that is actually put together by CEF. Uh, it's a special Christmas program. And they sent us these resources to use as a special um, holiday Bible club. So we're... This Tuesday night is our final children's meeting before we break off for Christmas. So we're changing it again a little, making a little change to the program. We're going to bring them in early. We're going to do a wee craft with them. We're going to play a few games. There'll be some snacks. And then again into our normal uh, routine of a meeting uh, with the boys and girls. So please pray for this year as our final night as we break off for Christmas. Pray that the boys and girls will come out. They'll bring their friends um, to hear the Christmas story. So just to finish, just some prayer requests that I want to leave with you. So please pray for the special events that we have planned, especially this coming Tuesday night. Pray for a numerical increase in the work. We know numbers isn't everything, but the more boys and girls we can get out each night, the more boys and girls are learning about um, their need of salvation. Pray for souls to be saved and for them to bear fruit in their lives. Please pray for all the workers involved and for safety on the roads each week as the kids are bussed in. And for wisdom as we seek to oversee the work. And the final thing there is just uh, a prayer request that can be found in the words of John 3 verse 30. He must increase and I must decrease. This isn't about us. This isn't about anything that Andrew Park can do or any other of the workers. This is all about God. And we just pray that God will be glorified in all that we do. 
and uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Andrew, and a word of appreciation and thanks to you and to all our workers. You know, sometimes when a work is ongoing and you see it taking place week after week, week after week, month after month, it can become so easy just to accept that, well, it's just going to happen. But it doesn't happen without a lot of effort, a lot of work, a lot of time that goes in. And whether you think that you contribute a little part or a greater part, it is all appreciated. And I think that when you look at what was accomplished during the summer, uh, and for those uh, new workers that came, and uh, for the work and effort that was made, it was all greatly appreciated. We thank you in the Saviour's name. Now, it says also a report on the Bible class. Well, Bible class needs two. Uh, some time ago we decided that we would take the work of the Bible class and we would spread it over to of our elders and our brother Phil and I have the privilege of uh, working amongst those who come to the Bible class. Now, Phil has the PowerPoint presentation. I'm sure he is hit ready. Uh, but I'm just going to give you a, a brief summary of some of the subjects that we have dealt with since we have taken on the responsibility. Before I do that, I just want to read one verse that we find in Second Timothy and uh, the chapter 2. That familiar verse of the Apostle Paul in Second Timothy 2 and 15 when he said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I suppose that is the theme, the substance, the purpose of what we endeavor to do in the Bible class. In a sense, the clue is in the title. It is the Bible class. It is a place where, as it is in the children's meeting, as it is in the Sunday services, as it is in every aspect of the work of God here at Hebron, central to all that we say and do is the primacy of God's word. And Paul, when he was giving encouragement and instruction to young Timothy, he said, study to show thyself approved. Apply your mind. Apply every effort and apply every sinew of your mind to study the word of God. And so it is our endeavor when we come to the Bible class to turn to the word of God to read God's word and then uh, to study it. It's a good practice and it's a good discipline even for Phil and myself to be brought to that place where you know that your month is coming and you have to be prepared. You have to think about the theme you're going to deal with and then you have to get to the study. And Christine knows how good I am at going to the study. I think sometimes I'm in one of them elastic bands that just keeps pulling me in and out and in and out. I was never made to sit at peace uh, in the one place for far too long. So I have to say I do find sometimes the discipline of going into the study is good for us. So some of the themes and subjects that we have dealt with have covered uh, at the very start when we took over from, and maybe I should say this, 
the Bible class has always had a, a very important place uh, in the history of this congregation. And the reason why I find it a great honor to be involved in, in this part of the work here in Hebron is when I think of those who came before us. And there are some in this room, many, who can remember the Bible class of the brother Albert. And I still have the notes on the new birth, the Holy Spirit, regeneration. And those were times when it was a joy. For, one, for many reasons, but one, when you got to the Bible class, you didn't have to say the catechism. Uh, and uh, that was a great relief. You didn't have to go through the catechism the same maybe as you did when you were Sunday school. But it was a joy to sit under the ministry of our brother Albert and to be taught the word of God. And we have precious memories. The old church, I can remember in the old church, if, for those who remember the times in, in the old church when before we built our new meeting house here, you had the kitchen. And then you had the wee prayer room. Uh, and there was a curtain. And in fact, there's still uh, the lectern. It's somewhere, maybe down here. Uh, the lectern that Albert got made because the wee room got too big, or too small for the Bible class. And then Albert, he moved into the kitchen. And he used to stand at this side of the bench in the kitchen and he pulled the curtain back and the young people sat on the other side. So we meet in the Bible classroom at the bottom here and the subjects that we have dealt with, the first one we dealt was gleanings in Galatians and we started to do a verse-by-verse -verse exposition of the book of Galatians. We only got the first chapter and into the second chapter and then uh, I think Phil then took over and then we decided we would go to something else. So at some stage we're going to come back and finish the book of Galatians. Other subjects that we have dealt with are the wonderful Word of God, studies in the truths of God's Word, creation, the all-sufficiency of Christ, the impeccability of Christ, the atonement, in remembrance of me, the Lord's table, the Christian Sabbath, what is Sunday, the resurrection. Then we did a series on dealing with the disciples where we looked at each one of the disciples and a couple of years ago we dealt with Christ before the manger studies in the incarnation and so I trust that that gives you some sense of what we endeavor to do and the purpose as we say is that we would instruct our young people in the ways of God and that the Bible is more than a textbook it is a book by which they live it's a book that they cherish, and it's a book that instructs them in the way of life. Now, we're going to sing just uh, a few words of the hymn 669. Hark, tis the shepherd's voice I hear out in the desert, dark and drear. Then after we sing this hymn, our brother Phil will come and take the rest of the service.
Well, as Mervyn has already stated, we had a phone call. It was, I suppose, uh, about 20 past, 25 past this evening, and Wesley was saying that he just didn't feel up uh, to making it to the meeting tonight, and could we uh, come up with something? And so um, it takes me 20 minutes to get here from my home. And I said to Tracy when we got in the car, will you not speak to me, please? And she didn't. And it was wonderful. <laughs> One of the best trips I've ever had. And so uh, we, we then sort of we could uh, get some uh, thoughts together. Just want to leave two verses with you. And I suppose what I'm going to say about the Bible class can be sandwiched between these two verses. First verse is uh, in Romans and chapter 12. Paul here is writing to the church at Rome and he says, I beseech you therefore brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then I suppose the next verse uh, which I want us to uh, think about is that verse which is hanging in the, I suppose, the uh, porch of the church as we come in here. It's found in uh, the first book of Corinthians, chapter 15, and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It was a great privilege and, and honor uh, to be asked to uh, take the, the Bible class along with our brother Mervyn and we've been doing it now for uh, a number of years. I was interested when Mervyn said that he can recall uh, way back in the early days when he met with Albert in the kitchen. It must be a free Presbyterian thing because when I was just a young pup, uh, we also met in the kitchen in Liverpool and that's where the Bible class uh, took place. I came from an unsaved family and so those times in the Bible class were very, very precious for me in those early days. We knew nothing, both Tracy and I, when we came to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus, we, we knew very little about the scriptures. Came from homes where the word of God was never read, prayer was never offered and so to to be taught and to be fed on the finest of the wheat was something very, very special for us. And of course, uh, we were nurtured under the ministry of the late and the great Hillis Fleming. We have approximately about 20 to 25 in the Bible class. Obviously, most of them are young folks who have just moved on from from Wesley's class and the moving up from the Sabbath school. But what we endeavor to do is to take them that little bit further, that little bit deeper into the word of God. We're conscious that they, 
They know the basics. They know all the parables and the gospel stories. They know the creation story. But the idea of the Bible class, I suppose, is to tax their minds and also to, to challenge them with regards to their, their own life that they live before the Lord. One of the first uh, studies that both Mervyn and I did uh, was way back in the book of Genesis, and we called it uh, In the Beginning. And it was amazing because even in those days, a number of years ago, I learned an awful lot as I was taught of God myself. And we started seeing that, you know, the God of heaven stepped out from behind the curtain of nowhere onto the stage of nothingness and he spoke this entire world into existence. We dealt with the existence of God, the eternality of God. And we emphasized there in the first chapter of Genesis how it says God said and God saw and God made and God called. It was all about the God of heaven. The other interesting thing is that we were able to identify that our God is a God of order. And all things were done in order. We noted that on the fourth day, he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, the world will tell us that there is no light outside of the sun, moon, and stars. But this old world of ours existed for three days, and it was on the fourth day that God created the sun, moon, and the stars. Then we decided that we would take a topic about, and we try not to, to overlap in these topics. We dealt with the doctrines of grace, and I'm sure that we are all well versed in, in those doctrines, but if you're not, we use <coughs> the acrostic tulip, T for total depravity, how man, when he is born into this world, is born in sin and shapen in iniquity. We have a bias towards sin that is nothing within us that would have us reach out after the God of heaven. We are comfortable in our comfort zone, which is filled with sin, and we are totally depraved. You unconditional election, that in the annals of eternity, God purposed in his own heart to elect a people unto himself. And it wasn't because of any good that he could see in your life or mine. He loved us unconditionally and so he elected us unconditionally. There was nothing that would have drawn the God of heaven to select you above me or anybody else. It was just the free unmerited favor of God that was bestowed upon you and I, the undeserving. L, limited atonement. That God doesn't save all men everywhere in this world. There is a limited number. They are known as the elect of God. And so God places his love upon a limited number of people. We don't know who they are. Only the Lord 
himself knows. That's why we would evangelize. That's why we'll be standing in the town center on Saturday. That's why we have our gospel missions. So that we might take the glorious good news of the gospel out to those that know not Christ. And trust that the Lord by the power of his spirit might move in the heart and soul of some individual. Only he knows the elect. Irresistible grace. That when God places his love upon someone. And he begins to make them uncomfortable in their sin. He draws them by the cords of their love. And there's nothing you can do. And there's nothing I can do to resist the grace of God when he effectually calls us unto himself. And then P, perseverance of the saints. The Christian life isn't a bed of roses. We will be faced with challenges. We will be faced with many difficulties, many obstacles, perhaps more so than even the ungodly in this world in which we live. Because when you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the devil has lost a raw recruit. And so he will make every effort to try to gain back that life so that he can ruin your soul and mine. But the God of heaven preserves us and he undertakes for us. We dealt with the sovereignty of God, that God is sovereign in the affairs of men. That nothing will befall you in this life outside of the will and the plan and the purpose of God. We then uh, took a look at the, the attributes of the believer, characteristics that should be evident in your life and in my life. Perhaps characteristics that aren't as evident as they ought to be. We dealt one week with Christian kindness. It's something that should evolve from the heart of the child of God. But it doesn't necessarily evolve from the heart of the child of God. It ought to, and we need to, to work at that attribute within our lives. Forgiveness. When we think of how the God of heaven forgave us our sins according to the scriptures how he placed his love upon us and yet and with all uh, we will cross swords perhaps with family and with friends with work colleagues and we will allow the spirit of bitterness to take hold of our life and so pull us away from the God of heaven Christian forgiveness, Christian kindness, two attributes that ought to be seen in the life of the child of God. Holiness, holiness of life and character. And that doesn't just mean that we are holy on the Lord's day. We're holy when we come in to the midweek prayer meeting and Bible study. But it means that we want God to, to consecrate these eyes of ours and these hands of ours and these feet of ours that we shouldn't be in the place where the Lord would not have us be, that we shouldn't be observing those things that the Lord would not have us look upon. And so uh, we dealt for a few weeks on the characteristic of living a holy and a righteous 
and an upright life. Going the extra mile for God. That was a, a, a week where we looked at the, the child of God putting himself out for the cause of Christ. When we think that the Lord left the realms of glory, set his face like a flint to the cruel cross of Calvary, and went all the way to Calvary to bear your sins and to bear mine. Shouldn't we want to go the extra mile for him? We emphasize to our young people that we only have one chance in this life to serve the God of heaven. And that we should endeavor to serve him with not less than our all. Most recently we began a study in the Hebridean revival and we encouraged our young people to to not only consider revival but we took extracts from books that had been written uh, by the Reverend Duncan Campbell who was the instrument that the Holy Spirit used in the Outer Hebrides in order to win the lost for the Lord Jesus Christ. He went for a two-week mission. Revival broke out and he ended up staying in the Hebrides for two and a half years and hundreds upon hundreds of souls were saved we looked at the leading of the Lord in the life of Joseph there was one particular month there was five Sundays in the month and I thought to myself well if we look at Joseph we'll be able to cover that over the five weeks but I think it took us the best part of about a year and a few months in order to consider how God dealt with Joseph. It was remarkable, you know, when you think that we don't read anywhere in Scripture of of Joseph doing anything wrong. That doesn't mean that Joseph never sinned. He did sin. He was born in sin, and he was shaped in iniquity. But all too often, when Joseph did that which was right in the sight of God, he, he appeared to be punished for it. In other words, when he brought an evil report about his brethren, the Bible says that his brethren despised him. When Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and he withstood all her advances, he was thrown into prison for doing that which was right in the sight of God. And so we looked at this, this roller coaster life of Joseph, the ups and downs. Uh, and we tried to suggest to our young people that you too will face dark days and you too will face difficult days. But just remember that God is sovereign and God is on the throne. And what men mean for your bad, God means for your good. And so we were able to trace the life of Joseph and the leading of the Lord in this young man's life. Most recently, we considered uh, the subject dealing with doctrine. And each week, we would come with another theme. It might be salvation. It might be our lost condition in this world. It might be justification, how God can cleanse us as though we had never sinned before, just as if we had never sinned. We considered the subject of redemption and the atonement. Then in the month of November there, I only had three 
Lord's Days because I was in London for one of those Lord's Days. And we decided to look at the backslider. And you know, I honestly and sincerely believe that the Lord led us to that subject. A subject that I have never preached on before today. A subject that I've never looked at and never dealt with. How Satan can steal our song. We took the young people to, to the book of Genesis again and we, we asked them to, to follow us through Genesis 14 when the Lord appeared unto Abram and unto Lot. They were in air of the Chaldees, a, a wicked place, a place with sorcery and with, with witchcraft and, and yet the Lord undertook for, for Abraham and he brought him and Lot out of that place of wickedness. And then the Lord has said to Abraham, get thee up from this place and from thy kindred and go to a, a place that I will show thee. Bible says he arose and went. But then it says, and Lot went with him. We try to emphasize to the young people that, you know, Lot was saved. If you, if you look at the Old Testament account, you would possibly be forgiven for thinking that Lot was never saved at all. In fact, we have to go to the second book of Peter to read uh, of this man Lot that vexed his righteous soul on a daily basis because of the filthy conversation of the people in Sodom. But you see, he made a choice and we were going to deal with this in the Bible class. When, when Abraham arose and went, the Bible says, and Lot went with him because Lot understood that although he'd been saved, he wanted to be part of what God was going to do in the life of Abraham. Abraham, of course, was the father of the faithful. And we, we read how they went down to, to Egypt. And when they came out of Egypt, the Bible says that Abraham was rich in silver and in gold and in cattle. In, in fact, it says he was very rich. It also says that Lot was rich as well. Both men had done well. Both men had been blessed of God. And when they came back to the place called Bethel, the house of God, the first thing Abraham did, first thing he did was to build an altar unto the Lord and to praise the God of heaven for his preservation, for his protection, for his great blessing upon his life. But we don't read of that, of Lot. You see, Lot had got his eyes off the Lord. And he'd got his eyes upon earthly possessions. And the Bible says that there was a strife between Abram's herdmen and Lot's herdmen. And they began to fight the one with the other. And Abram said, let there be no strife between my herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we be brethren. So they decided that they would part the one from the other. Again, we, we looked at it in the Bible class. When Lot looked up and he saw the well-watered plains of Jordan. The Bible says it was just like Egypt. And of course, Egypt speaks of the world. It was just like the Garden of God. 
When he looked to the left, he saw a barren land, an unkept land. And Abram said, you take the choice. You make your decision. And we read with the young people how Lot chose the well-watered plains of Jordan. And folks, it was the tragedy of a wrong choice. He never consulted God. He never sought the Lord in relation to the decision that he should make. It says he chose the well-watered plains of Jordan and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And each evening, he would sit in the mouth of that tent and he would look upon all the noise and all the clamor and all the reveling that was going on in the city of Sodom. God continued to bless Abram. Next time we, <coughs> we read of Lot, it's, it's in Genesis 19. And it says that Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. He was now a, an elected member. He was now in a position of authority in this wicked city. A city that had no time for the word of God and no time for the God of the word. And he would listen to the conversation of the ungodly. It was filthy conversation, the Bible says. Every day his heart was grieved when he thought of the decision that he made and how he'd left his uncle in the place of blessing and he chose the place of wickedness and he'd got his eyes off the Lord and on the world. This last Lord's Day, um, or the last Lord's Day in November, uh, we dealt with reaching the road of recovery. You know, it was his decision, his decision to, to go to Sodom. It was his decision to stand for election. It was his decision to, to set up home there. But you know, he was a child of God. And the Lord, rather than leave him to wallow and to waste his life in that awful place, the Lord sent messengers. And how often do we read that in the word of God? And we've said it before to our young people. How Jonah tried to run away from the Lord and God went after him. And he sent a great fish to deliver him. When we think of Moses, how he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no man, he killed the Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. And then he fled for his life, but God went after him in the backside of the desert. And those who are truly the children of God, those who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, once you've tasted of the waters of life, the bitter waters of this world will never, ever satisfy again. And so God sent in his providence, in his sovereignty, and in his wisdom, he sent two angels. But you know, Lot, whilst he was there and whilst he, he brought the, uh, the men of God into his house, the Bible says that the wicked men of the city surrounded the house. In fact, they came and they knocked on the door and they sought 
that Lot would bring out these two men. Lot came out uh, from his house and the Bible says he closed the door behind him. And he said this, that I have two daughters that have never known man. Take them, but leave these men alone. You see, Lot had missed out with the Lord for so long in his life. He'd been in that city of sin for so long. He'd listened to the filthy conversation. But now he realized that our God is the God of the second chance. And he didn't want any harm coming to these men of God, these angels. And he was prepared to sacrifice the purity of his daughters. In order that he might gain favor once more. Of course... Men of God pulled him back into the house. Then we, uh, we read those words how the angels witnessed to Lot again. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he tarried. Even though he wanted to get back into sweet fellowship with God, he tarried. He lingered in that place. He was told to inform his family, but he went to his sons-in-law and he said to his sons-in-law, uh, you need to get out of the city. God is going to destroy this city with fire and with brimstone. But they just laughed it off. You see, he had lost his influence with his family. He'd lost his testimony with his family. He had lost all that he had he was about to lose his wealth he was about to lose his home and he was about to lose his wife as a result Bible says that those angels because he lingered they put their hand on Lot and they put their hand on his wife and the angels dragged him from that city and we emphasize to our young people how good is our God. That rather than just leave him lingering and wallowing in sin, the Lord pulled him out of that city. And the Lord took him to another place. Of course, we know how the story ends. That Lot's wife turned back. She heard the cries she heard the screams. The interesting thing is that the Bible says she looked back from behind Lot. So Lot, as he was being dragged out of the city, was obviously slightly in front of his wife. And she looked back from behind him and never did he see his wife again, this side of eternity. Pointed out to our young people that there is a consequence and there's a price to pay for sin. And every night, you know, when, when Lot would retire for the evening and when he would place his head on his pillow, I'm sure that he, he would often turn to one side and he'd look for his soulmate, his partner in life. If only I had not made the tragic decision 
of a wrong choice. And so what we endeavor to do with our young people is to, to send warning shots across their bow. That it's so easy, so easy to step out of favor with God. So easy to wander into Bypath Meadow. So easy to, to long for the acclaim and for the applause of this old world in which we live. And all the time, you know, Satan is just just drawing us into himself. The difficult road is to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. The difficult road is to say that I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause. The difficult road is to be faithful to him and to him alone in spite of all the costs we know that there have been missionaries who have left the shores of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, have gone to the far front corners of the world. And as a result of their faithfulness and devotion to God, they have laid down their lives on the mission field. In closing, that's why we hang our thoughts upon those two verses that we read together. Paul, when he was writing to the church at Rome, he was writing to, to men and women of God. And he says, I, I beseech you, I, I entreat you, I plead with you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do something. What Paul wanted them to do is this, that ye present your bodies. You know, this is a, an individual command. It's not a, not a collective command here. When Paul was writing to the church, he wrote to them collectively, but he longed that the Spirit of God might apply this personally, that ye present yourselves. Then the Bible says, a living sacrifice. Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. A living sacrifice. Then he says, it's got to be holy. One that is the holiness in your life and in mine. I wonder if we were to present our bodies here and now to the God of heaven based upon our testimony over these last 12 hours. Would the smile of God be upon our life? Or would the frown of God? What have we done for the Lord? Even this day. And yet Paul says, by the mercies of God, he who is rich in mercy. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's got to be holy. It's got to be acceptable unto God. And those two attributes, holiness and acceptability, the Bible says that's your reasonable service. The Lord's not being unreasonable here. Paul's not being unreasonable. He's saying we should be living godly lives, sanctified lives, separated lives, God-honoring lives. He wants us to present them to the God of heaven, holy 
acceptable unto God. And it says, which is your reasonable service? This isn't something extraordinary here. It's not something supernatural here. God considers this to be just reasonable service. When he considers what he gave for you and I, he wants you and I to give our lives for him. Then we emphasize to our young people, be not conformed to this world. You know, there's challenges that our young people have that we, most of us, know nothing of. Oh, we had struggles when we were young in the faith, when we were seeking to serve God, but when we think of the internet, when we think of the mobile phones, when we think of all that our young people are exposed to, even within the comforts of their own home, Paul says, be not conformed to this world. Just because the world behaves like this, just because the world watches, be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, there's a battle that goes on in your heart and soul and life, and in mine also. And it's a battle for the mind. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual. And there's a battle that rages in our souls from that time when we stepped into Christ and trusted him as saviour. The battle began to rage in your life and mine. I wonder, have we let the Lord down? I wonder, have we given ground to the enemy? I wonder, have we grown cold and have we wandered from the things of God, Paul says, be not conformed to this world. Just because the world does these things, it doesn't mean that the child of God should. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove. So God wants us to prove something here. He wants us to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for our lives good acceptable perfect you know God wants his children to stand in the gap for him he wants us to serve him with not less than our all that's why Paul when he wrote to the church in Corinth concluded by saying this therefore my beloved brethren, there he is writing to the child of God again. The Christian, the believer, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, it's the only thing that's going to count at the judgment day. What you and I did with Jesus, which is called Christ. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
And so we try to suggest to our young people that this isn't a dry run through life. But the Lord will make us accountable one day for the places that we go, for the people that we see, for the conversations that we have, for the testimony that we leave behind. You know, the, we read there in the book of um, Psalms how our life is as a tale that is told. One day when the Lord calls you home, a tale will be told about your life and mine. I wonder, I wonder how that conversation will go. Will it be he was an industrious worker? Will it be he was a tremendous family man? Will it be he was, he was an avid football fan? Will it be he loved the game of rugby and sports? Or will it be he was a man, he was a woman who was sold out for the God of heaven? With this I close, the story is told of a Christian pastor who was, who was walking through a cemetery. And he looked at all the headstones and, and he saw different headstones. Some of them were young and some of them were old. He would do a calculation and worked out what the, what the average age of, of these last ten headstones was and then he looked up and there was a, a very very large headstone it was, a, it was a monument he thought this should be somebody important, this will be someone extra special of prominence, of importance in the land and he went and he, he read down and he looked and at the bottom it simply said this he lived and he died Christian. You know, that's the, that's the greatest testimony that you and I could ever have, that we live and that we die trusting Christ as Lord and as Savior. We're going to go to our time of prayer. Please remember those who are on the list there. We have our sister Madge, Bevan and Dave. James Wallace and Alex. Alex had a bit of a relapse uh, the early part of the week and had to go back to the doctors again. Um, please pray for our brother Horace Strong and Mervyn Taylor. And we have them all <coughs> on the list there. Then please remember Pastor Valentine and our sisters and brethren from Ukraine as they sojourn with us here in Balamoni. It's been a delight to have our friends who have joined in with us uh, on the worldwide net. And as we take our leave from you now, we trust that the Lord might bless you as you have your own season of prayer, even in the very place where you are housed this evening. Thank you.